Hello and welcome to the Flow and Grow Expert Interviews, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and I'm joined today by Kevin Duncan, who is a business advisor, marketing expert, motivational speaker and the UK's best-selling business author. So Kevin, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Hello, nice to be here. Great, thank you. And whereabouts are you in the world right now? Well, I'm in Westminster, right in the middle, which uh, sounds busy and Mm -hmm. it usually is, but it isn't busy at the moment. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing. And let's quickly get onto the subject of Kevin then before we start. And after 20 years in advertising, Kevin has spent the past 20 as an independent troubleshooter, advising companies on how to change their business for the better via training, facilitation and mentoring. The title for today's episode is How to Think Intelligently. And Kevin's going to show us how to do that in just under seven minutes. So, Kevin, your first question today is who are your ideal clients? Yes, thanks. Well, this is hard to answer in a minute or so, isn't it? But I think the bit that I came up with that appeals to me most is clients that are respectful. And although that sounds like a a nice wish list thing for somebody to say, if you haven't got that, then nothing really works very well. I'm very fortunate because I get to work with what I call client clients, that is people who work for specific brands and corporations and so forth. But I'd also do a lot of work for agencies. So I call them my agency clients. And of course, they are at the beck and call in many cases of their own clients. And I also work with things like media owners. So what I'm particularly fascinated in is almost like a triangle between supplier, partner, slash client, plus me. And seeing it from all angles is fascinating. And if you ever get a master-servant relationship going on, for example, where a particularly draconian client is trying to just tell an agency Mm -hmm. or supplier what to do, it's really uncomfortable. and it all falls to bits so respect is my thing thanks very much and when you think about all of these clients that you work with what's the typically the biggest challenge that comes comes to the plate or comes to the table well the lack of respect if there is one is hideous Mm -hmm. and ruins all those relationships thankfully not everybody succumbs to that and in fact frankly if I encounter it I tend to remove myself from the situation because it's so uncomfortable and we don't want it But other than that, I think what clients most suffer from is what you might call desperate urgency. Now, not surprisingly, in the last year or so, they've almost been forced into certain situations because of circumstances. And that's understandable, in which case desperate urgency is fine. But desperate urgency, as in I must sell millions of these things by tomorrow afternoon and all the trouble that follows from it is a a really poor place to be. So those types of things I think are a big big challenge so there's that and there's one other big one I would say and that is what I would call not facing up to hard truths in other words typically people particularly in marketing departments and so forth have a better than average impression of their own brand and try to Mm -hmm. persuade everybody else and themselves that that's the case and often that is not a good way to view things. Understood and we've got a few typical challenges here that that you're that your typical clients will face. Um, so when you think of these together, what impact does that normally have on them or, or the business that they work for? Well, they just essentially get desperate. Yeah. And when, when people are desperate, they're not thinking straight. So they're not thinking long term and then they're not being calm. 
So they're just firefighting. So it gets worse. So it's almost like a self-inflicted vortex of trouble. And somebody somewhere needs to be grown up and mature and calmer and just pause and think, hang on, why are we doing all this frenetic stuff? Mm-hmm. Maybe we should be thinking harder and then working out what to do rather than just frantically doing stuff. Great. And we've talked about desperation a couple of times there. Where's the pressure coming from on the desk? What, what is causing this desperation typically? <laughs> well, we've got unusual circumstances. And of course, there are certain businesses who are just crippled by yeah. what's, what's gone on. And we all know what those sectors are, mm-hmm. hospitality and so forth. But on the other hand, you've got people scrambling like mad to capitalise on a situation like this because some markets are doing fantastically well. And you'll have seen all the online brands, things that can be downloaded at speed, anything that can be delivered to your house. And they're scooping up customers at a rate rate of knots. So you've got desperation coming in from both a good and a bad perspective, depending on the nature of the category that they're in. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. So next question is, what is one valuable piece of advice that you'd give to somebody to really help them solve these challenges or problems that they've got? Yes. Well, interestingly enough, I was mentioning this business of self-deception. And I think one of the, the big, big problems with anybody looking at a business challenge is to try to convince themselves that it's actually easier or better than the situation truly is. So actually, I have a technique in one of my books called the Ideas Books, uh, and it's called Three Good, Three Bad. And what you do is you force all the people on the team to write down at the beginning, in total silence, the three best things about this product, brief, category, whatever the topic is, and the three worst. That's the crucial thing. And to do it in silence, because... If you don't do it in silence, then we have a thing that we call the hippo effect, which is the highest paid person's opinion, right? (laughs) So what tends to happen is that the top person says, oh, well, it's clearly like this. And everyone else nods. And no one points out that the king's got no clothes on. And from that very point at the beginning of a project of any kind, everybody's deluding themselves, just focusing on the positives. And no one's mentioned the negatives. Three months later, the whole thing's been a disaster. But actually, if you do a post-mortem, people will say, well, I knew that was going to go wrong, but I didn't say anything because yeah. conditions weren't right. So that is my suggestion, if you like, that the most senior people should create, create the psychological safety for people to say this, this and this are really difficult. How are we going to address those in detail properly before we get into a right old pickle and convince ourselves that everything's going to be fine? And, and, you know, let's take a team of 10, for example, if, if, if all of them write down three challenges and um, that's bringing to light a lot of potential risks in the project uh, in, in one time. It certainly does. And in fact, I often use that example, because if you do the maths and you've got 10 people in a room and you ask them to do this exercise, three good, three bad, then in theory, you could have 30 good things written on the wall and 30 bad. But in yeah. fact, that's not what you get. You tend to get sort of six or seven. And that immediately gives you a range finder with regard to whether the team has any degree of consensus on what's at yeah. stake here. Got now, it. if you've got loads of good stuff, fine, you can capitalize on that. Small health warning, so long as you do not ignore one massive bad thing on the on the mm-hmm. debit column, if you like. Yep. But if it's bad, then there are several things. Don't panic because that gives you the focal point and epicenter of the thing that you've got to deal with. And that's a better way to start. 
Got it. Fantastic piece of advice. I'm sure you've got lots more there. So um, do you have any resources or, or places people can go online where they can find some more valuable advice and guidance from yourself? I do. Um, thank you. Yes, I've been well, I've been in business for 40 years with 20 of it self-employed. Yeah. And so as that, my trading name is Expert Advice. And so um, expertadviceonline.com shows where yeah. all my books and things are that can help yeah. people. And some of those are totally free. Mm -hmm. um, but on top of that, I have a sort of side project. And that is that I read a ridiculous quantity of business books. And I've been doing this for years and years. And so I've got a blog called greatesthitsblog.com. And nice. on there, I read all the business books and summarize them so you don't have to read them. And it, it's totally free. And there's nearly 500 books on there. So people can just search any topic they want. Think, right, I want to mug up on leadership, behavioral economics, whatever. Press a button. They all come up. You nick them and use them to edify yourselves. Excellent. Thank you very much. That's expertadviceonline.com and greatesthitsblog.com. I'll post both those links below this episode so people can just click on those and dive right in. So a couple more questions for the interview. The next one is, what would you say is your greatest failure that you've ever made over in life or in business? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, I was thinking about this question and mm -hmm. it's a tricky one to ask and I, uh, uh, yeah. to answer. Sorry, it's an easy one to ask. It's trickier to answer. I'm a kind of positive forward motion type of bloke. So I don't dwell on my failures much, even though it seems to be quite trendy for people to say, oh, you know, fail fast and all that type of thing. Yeah. But when reflecting on this, I essentially thought back to I've, I've actually been made redundant three times in my career mm -hmm. and on each of those occasions I thought hmm that is a that is a form of failure now the circumstances in each were utterly different on one of them a new managing director came in I'd been there for five years he didn't really like me and so yeah. he invented an excuse and I was out on the second one I joined a company and three three months later they just Put, gave me a voicemail saying your surplus to requirements and yeah. what yeah and what what had happened was that the person I was due to replace had changed her mind and decided not to go and persuaded the client that there was no need for me so I was out the there so I've, I didn't enjoy that one I was out for six months after that uh, and the third one was actually was a happy ending in the end but essentially what was going on was that I was on a board of directors and I was being outvoted 13 to 1 in almost every board meeting <laughs> by the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so a conversation had to be had and uh, it was, okay. all right, I'll get my coat. I'm not depressed about those things. We learn from yep. all of those, but I regard each one of those as a failure, really. And, and have probably shaped um, where you are today as well, I'm sure. Hugely. And the final one actually was the, the catalyst for me becoming self-employed because I did get a payoff from that. Uh, I sorted out my kids' education and then I just thought, right, I've been doing this agency thing for 20 years. I've had three collapses here, you know, in the last five years. Um, am I doing the right thing? And yeah. then I thought, do you know what? I don't myself. <laughs> and I felt yeah. much better. Why not? Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you've not looked back since. Fantastic. Okay, so um, last question from me is, what is one question that I should have asked you that would also give great value to our audience today? Oh, well, my immediate reaction to this was, where's the pub? You know, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let, <laughs> let's go and have a chat. Um, yeah. 
you know, and, and interestingly enough, although that's a pretty facetious answer, I'll give you a better one in a second, uh, is that I have been fortunate enough to do some socially distanced workshops and things in recent yep. times. And I've, I've worked with board directors uh, in the last year who have never met. And in some cases, mm. people have started their job. They've never been to their own office. They've never met their own colleagues. So yep. as well as being a bit of a flip answer, meeting up with people and chatting properly has got to be top of the list of things that are going to help anything at the moment. But um, on top of that one, I would add, I have a little philosophy, which I call being a mental magpie. And what I mean yep. by that is being perpetually curious, read a lot, investigate a lot, think, ask the extra question, ask the third why again, mm -hmm. because people who don't do that, they miss out on so much and they gloss over and they don't have the depth to answer a really interesting challenge. Whereas people who do that type of stuff often call it having a weak attentional filter are able to absorb so much stuff. And then when they're working on a thing, they can bring that all to bear. And so I would encourage all your people to be as curious as they can be. Fantastic. And just to add to that as well, I've done a lot of work as a confidence coach. And one of the things my coach said to me was to be the most curious person in the room. And um, because that's another way of bringing you into the conversation as well. That's it. Well, I agree with your coach then. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for your time today and for coming along and sharing such amazing value for our audience. You're very welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thanks. 